In this edition of the Cougar Insider Podcast, Jay Drew and I will be breaking down the tremendous game that BYU had in a victory over uh, St. Mary's College. We'll also be talking about recruiting. We'll break down some of the big names that BYU expects to sign and the big news coming out of the University of Utah with a transfer there. That and much more on this edition of the Cougar Insider Podcast. Welcome to this edition of the Cougar Insiders Podcast. Dick Harmon along with Jay Drew. We're going to be breaking down a lot of stuff today, and let's get right to it, Jay. We saw an exciting must-win win over St. Mary's by this BYU basketball team, a team that they took into overtime on, on the road when they played them before in California. They had to win this game. Their backs were against the wall. It was it was really a resume-building kind of a game. You could not afford to lose that game. There's six, seven minutes to go in the game, and they're down eight points. What did you see? How did this happen? I saw a really resilient, tough, hard-nosed basketball team that buckled down defensively. Uh, They got a few breaks when Malik Fitz, who was absolutely killing them from three-point range, got in foul trouble. That disrupted St. Mary's' offense. But credit BYU, Connor Harding came in, Zach Selyus came in. Some of these guys that don't get a lot of headlines came in and put the clamps down defensively. There was one play that stands out. Uh, BYU was down seven. They turned the ball over. St. Mary's had a fast break. They're ready to go up eight. Jordan Ford's going in for a layup, and out of nowhere, Jake Toulson comes in, blocks it. BYU goes down. Yoli beats his guy down the floor, makes a layup. BYU's only down five, four-point swing, and they carried that momentum on to the to the win. So it was a huge effort, and like you said, it was a, a must-win. Uh, they're starting to get some votes in the AP Top 25 poll. Uh, more importantly, their net ranking and their Ken Pomeroy ranking is uh, is in right around 20, I think. So things are looking good, and what a difference a game makes. Let's go down to the big shot. There was a tremendous shot. He's done it before. He did it at Houston. He's done it before in his career here at BYU. Did it all the time at a high school player for Lone Peak High School. But T.J. Haas, on the eve of becoming a father, comes up with one of the biggest plays of the season. Were you surprised that he took that shot from the distance that he did? And were you surprised that it went down? Didn't even catch any part of the rim. Uh, yes and yes. I'm surprised he pulled up and took the shot. And uh, I guess, yes, I'm surprised it went in because it was a, you know, degree of difficulty was very high on that shot. Interestingly, if you, I was there obviously, but the crowd almost groans when he pulls up to take it. I, I haven't watched it on TV yet, but I, but I was there and I remember the crowd just, oh no, like what's he doing? And then, it, you know, and then it goes in and the place erupts and uh, what a moment. Uh, might be the, uh, depending on what happens from here on out, might be the, the trademark or the uh, mark key play or the most memorable play of the whole season. Incredible. I have a, I have a chance to uh, sit down with uh, Dave Rose, uh, the former coach uh, who's now retired. He had a front row seat to this, and I asked him to break down that play and what was going on inside of the game. And so that's going to be in a column Tuesday if you want to read it. He's going to break down what Randy Bennett of St. Mary's was trying to accomplish in that game defensively on uh, T.J. Haas after he went off for 29 points in the previous game, the overtime loss, and what he was doing with his two guards in trying to, to stop Haas and who was on the court at that time and why maybe it worked the way it did as people are trying to guess whether to go over or under a screen it was set at the top of the key. You talked about bracketology a little bit. Bracketology is the science of guessing where people might be in the NCAA tournament. And right now, most bracketologists that I can see has BYU as a uh, either a bubble team or being in the tournament. 
What what have you seen? Yeah, I it uh, it's up and down the board. The the premier one, Joel Lenardi's uh, bracketology for ESPN. I think the last time I checked, they had him at a ten. There was one today that uh, I'm not sure who it was had him as a seven. If you look at uh, some of the uh, bracket matrixes, which combines all of the brackets and and comes up with kind of a consensus, BYU is right around an eight or a nine. Uh, some of them have him as a seven. Um, there's really no difference between eight or nine. Uh, you're going to have to play the number one seed if you win that 8-9 game. So you probably want to avoid that. But but uh, And I think you want to avoid the play-in game as well in Dayton, Ohio. BYU's been back there twice for those. Won one and lost one. But yeah, look, it's looking good right now. I mean, if they can hold serve, win all their remaining games, except maybe Gonzaga, which would be obviously a tough game, although it is at the Marriott Center, uh, they're looking pretty good. I think they'll go into the WCC tournament with their, with their at-large bid secured if they can do that. We talked a couple of weeks ago about this five-game stretch that BYU is heading into. Some of us felt like they would win all five, and they probably would have if they would have got that overtime uh, win last week at San Francisco, but they didn't. They now are in the cusp of one more, and they probably should win this game. So those of us that said five and zero, we were wrong. But they get this; they'll be five and or four and one in that stretch. What's coming up here, Jay, in the next few days? Well, they're at Portland, which is one of the worst teams in the WCC on Thursday night. They should be able to to hold serve and win that game. Portland has beat BYU before, I think once or twice in Portland. Anytime you, some guy goes off in the WCC, it seems like it's at the expense of BYU, as Malik Fitz of St. Mary's just did with a, a career-high 29. So they've got a guard against that, but they should be able to, to handle uh, Portland there. And then, uh, and then there's a big one Saturday at the Marriott Center. They play San Francisco uh, two weeks after losing to the Dons over there in San Francisco. BYU gets them here at the Marriott Center. And uh, that should be a big game, a revenge game. But also, the Dons are a pretty good team. There, uh, there's four or five teams in the WCC that are that are much improved, and and they're one of them. And so that that's not a gimme by any stretch. Uh, but that's uh, the immediate future. Time for BYU to to rev up the engines and get some momentum going, and and get Yoli Childs back fully, 100% integrated in the offense, and and make a run at it. You know, Jay, this is a time uh, used to be really a big time, but it's been split in half. And that's signing day for football. College football recruits can sign coming up uh, this week, and uh, BYU is no exception. They've got plans to announce some signings. A couple of big players that they're looking for is uh, Tate Romney and um, Schoonover Kid out of American Fork High School, both of them linebackers. Those two are a priority. But in the meantime, they've been coming down the stretch, got word that a University of Utah running back that's been a little frustrated with his playing time and has been injured, a, a guy from Florida, he's decided that he's going to become a Cougar. Break that down for us a little bit. Yeah, Devontae Henry Cole um, didn't get a lot of carries for Utah. When he did, he was really effective. Uh, apparently, he joined the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints uh, with uh, his friends and teammates. Uh, Britton Covey and uh, Chase Hansen were instrumental in that. And uh, ironically, now he's in the transfer portal, and he apparently committed to BYU uh, Saturday night. The Deseret News had a story on that, if you want to go check that out. And... uh, Big, big news for the Cougars who need running back help. They also need receiving help. And then, uh, like you said, they've got uh, Wednesday coming up, signing day. And there's another athlete out of Olympus High, Scotty Edwards, uh, kind of a combination running back, linebacker, play-it-do-it-all guy, is also deciding between BYU and Stanford. Bodie Schoonover's deciding between BYU and UCLA. And then and then there's a uh, receiver in Las Vegas, Miles Davis, not the uh, famous jazz musician, but, uh, <laughs> but a, a 
a nice senior receiver down there that uh, BYU is also uh, recruiting, and uh, and if they can land him, that would be a nice little get as well. So uh, plenty of suspense going into signing day Wednesday. You know, we have an opportunity tomorrow. Um, well, when you get this podcast, uh, it'll be Tuesday night if you lo- look at it immediately, uh, Tuesday afternoon in the evening. But, uh, Jay, you've got a story coming out ranking BYU's recruiting classes over the past few years, done a little research here, tried to, to kind of rank that either as an analysis or your own opinion or the opinion of other people on our staff. Could you break down what you found out? And uh, we invite people to tune in, uh, pick this up in the Deseret News, DeseretNews.com. Yeah, what we did is I got Brandon Gurney, our colleague at the Deseret News, who's been following BYU recruiting for probably more than 20 years. We asked Jeff Hansen from CougarSportsInsider.com of the 247 Sports Network, and then also Jake Hatch, who does uh, work for 1280 The Zone as a producer and is a longtime BYU follower. Uh, We kind of did a little straw poll. We came up with the best recruiting class of the last 10 years. Uh, We came up with the worst class of the last 10 years, also the most impactful player per each class. That's, I think, going to be in the uh, printed version of the Desert News on Tuesday and should be online uh, Monday uh, afternoon sometime. So kind of a fun little project we did. Uh, should be a talker, as we say in the business. Look at it. Uh, feel free to give us your input through Twitter or whatever other social media. Kind of just one of those fun off-season exercises that we did. Jay, how close do you think BYU is going to get to get what they want to make a difference for this, this big schedule coming up? Uh, obviously, they've got a lot of return missionaries that a lot of people have not seen. Uh, they've been in a developmental stage for BYU's program for the past year. There's others that will be coming off their missions and being able to contribute, and that's kind of what BYU does. But these new faces that they could get or expected to get, how, how much of an impact do some of these players have to maybe help them in the areas that they're really lacking right now? Defensive, you know, rush in, speed type thing, uh, maybe receiver and running back? Yeah, I think they need help in those three areas, running back, receiver, rush end. Uh, They might need a a safety, some safety help. There's a lot of rumors going around that Zane Anderson might be moved to corner even, unbelievably, (laughs) as that may sound. And so they they definitely need those three areas we just talked about, perhaps even a safety. Um, I've lobbied for them to to get a a big-time receiver, and I think you wrote a column about it as well, that, that they need some help there, losing three senior stars, Micah Simon, Talents Shumway, and, and Aleva Hifo uh, to graduation. So, yeah, they definitely need to... You wrote a column about it, Dick, as far as the September schedule coming up and how they need to... Uh, they need to make some rapid improvements and get some depth and to handle that rigorous schedule. You know, in other sports, uh, Jay, our final words, uh, the men's golf team went out. They didn't do very well. They kind of got hit right between the eyes by news that Rhett Rasmussen, one of the top players in the state of Utah the last few years of high school and, and on the BYU team, the number two golfer on their team, he's uh, academically ineligible. He's got to get some work done or else he can't play in any more tournaments. He's toying with the idea of maybe going on the uh, Canada Tour. He's in Q school now, uh, but that's been kind of a blow to that golf team, having Rhett not be able to be with them. They've got some young players on that golf team uh, that can help, but they're a little young. But golf right now struggling. What if, what can you tell us about men's volleyball and, and women's hoops? Yeah, men's volleyball is still undefeated. They uh, swept uh, UC Santa Barbara, the number three team in the country. BYU is the number two team. They BYU won 3-1 uh, to one on Friday and then turned around and, and played a tough three set, or five-set match and won 
3-2 to two on Saturday night. So uh, men's volleyball is having a great year, undefeated, and obviously uh, have a good shot at uh, winning their conference and getting into the NCAA tournament and maybe making some noise there like they did a few years ago when they went to back-to-back Final Fours. Uh, women's Hoop had a uh, one-in-one week. They won a game at Portland to avenge a loss here at the Marriott Center a few weeks ago, and then they went to Gonzaga, one of the nationally ranked teams, the only nationally ranked team in the WCC, and Gonzaga got them pretty good up there in Spokane Saturday. But uh, right now, the women are looking fairly good to get either a two or a three seed. Just like the men, you want to get that two seed so you get the bye uh, all the way into the semifinals. So a lot to, a lot on the line for the women coming down the home stretch as well. You know, um, we can't end the podcast without talking about the big story over the weekend. Andy Reid, a former offensive lineman at BYU and a graduate assistant coach, ends up getting his first Super Bowl win, bringing the trophy to Kansas City the first time uh, that they've got that in uh, in 50 years. That's half of a century. And there's so much elation and praise for Andy Reid and love for him for what he did. On the other hand, Fred Warner got an interception that really kind of turned the game around for San Francisco. Didn't end up that they could uh, to hang on to that lead that they had, but being down 20 to 10 with about eight minutes to go. You thought that Kansas City was dead. They score 21 straight points, which has been kind of a thing that they've done at the end of the season. Big win for Andy Reid, Jay. Yeah, it was, and it was fun to see Andy celebrate, and he got, obviously, a lot of deserved camera time. There was a fun sequence where he and Steve Young were on the same set, and they actually gave a shout-out to BYU, and and, uh, both of them former Cougars, obviously, and then, uh, so that was fun for Cougar Nation to see that and to see, basically, BYU mentioned on a Super Bowl broadcast. Uh, And then also Daniel Sorensen had a nice game for the Chiefs, and he's now has a Super Bowl ring as well, so a pretty fun day for the Kansas City Chiefs fans and for BYU uh, fans and supporters who got to see uh, Andy Reid get what a lot of people think he has deserved for a long time, and that's a Super Bowl ring. Uh, with that, Jay, we'll uh, we'll be signing off this edition of the Cougar Insider Podcast. Appreciate Jay coming down uh, and joining us today, uh, even though the storm was bad. We invite you to pick up this podcast wherever you can find it on the internet or deseretnews.com uh, and join us each week for the Cougar Insider Podcast. Thank you. Thank you.